tell you that when you start thinking about some topics like the inner man, there's a real need to stress the inner man. You can say, why, why is that so important? Because most of the time we put our stress, our emphasis on the outer man, and because of that, too many people live superficial lives. And you say, what do you mean by that? I mean, there are people who when they come here, they will shake your hand, they'll smile real big. When we sing, they sing out, they do well. But I'm not reading your heart, I'm reading the ones that I think all of us have from time to time, and that is, but inside, we're anything but spiritual. The things going through our minds are not things that ought to be going through our minds And the attitudes that we have, just to be honest with you, stink. And yes, our religion has become superficial. And the prophets often looked at God's people because God gave them the insight to tell them that is the fact that you need to go back and change who you are. In Isaiah chapter 1, in verses 11 and 12, he asked the question, to what is the purpose, is the multitude of your sacrifices for me? says, Lord, I've had enough of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I do not delight in the blood of bulls or goats, lambs or goats. And when you come to appear before me, who has required from your hand to trample my courts? God is saying the externals are there. You're doing that. But he says there's nothing in your heart. In fact, he calls upon them to reason together. In Jeremiah 3 and verse 10 He said, and yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Let me tell you what the people of God were bad about doing. God would bring upon them some sort of punishment for their sins, and the people would say, God, thank you for delivering us. Thank you for giving us deliverance. And as immediately as the pressure was taking off, their hearts turned away again. So here's what I'd like for us to discuss tonight. I'd like for us to talk about identifying the inner man. I'd like for us to to focus on the part of us that is unique and that is different from the outside what everybody sees. Number two, I want to talk about how to instruct that man to do a better job, to be different. And then going along with that is inspiring that inner man to want to change, to want to do better. Let's talk about identifying. And In any study, a proper identification is always essential because you have to begin by defining your words or what you're talking about. And I think most of us fail to... Note the significance of that inner man. You know, how important is it? And how do you deal with it? Well, do you remember when God chose the successor to King Saul? He had sent Samuel to go and anoint a son of Jesse as the next king. And as Samuel was going down the list of Jesse's sons, well, maybe it's this one. No, it's not him. Maybe it's this one. No, not him. And God's reply to Samuel was, in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, he says, Do not look at his appearance or his height of his stature, because I refused him. 
For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, if you just simply ponder that thought for just a little bit, I think it could be able to to make some profound impressions. Let me tell you, the best singer in our worship is not necessarily the person who is able to sing with the best melodious tones. It's not necessarily the person who's able to pronounce every one of the words perfectly. Because the Lord is not looking at how well you are singing, even though He wants the very best you have. But God is looking for the melody that is in your heart. As I begin to realize, God is not looking at how well I am dressed, even though, again, I ought to give God the very best that I have. But God is looking at my mind and how engaged it is. For just a moment, consider with me the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 and verse 20 is what I call the key verse to the sermon. In verse 20 he tells them, For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The Lord said, Your righteousness has to be better than theirs. And then the Lord begins a series of questions and directions by saying, You've heard it said you shall love your neighbor but hate your enemy. And the Lord's response is, to those people who believe they can hate as long as they can kill somebody, no, you can't even hate. Or about those who believe that you could lust as long as you didn't commit fornication. Or those people who believe that you could give, you could pray, you could fast, and let everybody else see you and think that's going to somehow make you righteous before God. He says, no, it's not what you're showing on the outside. What is mattering is what's inside of you. The same group of people to whom the Lord refers, he addresses in Matthew 23, And in verses 27 and 28, he says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. As I am trying to help us identify that inside man, it's what I'm thinking. It's my goals. It's my aspirations. It's my motivations. It's my intentions. You see, reputation is what people think you are. Character is what you really are. And the truth is, each one of us knows who we really are. What then is the inner man? It's the spiritual versus the physical. The Jewish man thought that because he had descended from Abraham, from Isaac, and from Jacob, that he was somehow privileged. And when Paul wrote the book of Romans, he said, He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor circumcision that outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is from, not from men, but from God. You see, 
in God's eyes, a Jew is a man who worships and loves and serves God. Well, I could love to spend a lot of time at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. As Paul is getting near the end of that section and talking about the outward man and the inward man, he says, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. You're talking about our physical bodies. We're, we're wearing out. Things didn't, don't work as well as they used to. Diseases attack us more easily. The strength is going, he says, that's perishing. Yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. He talks about the affliction we're, we're experiencing. He says that's just for a moment because it works for us a far more exceeding eternal way to glory because we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen. That explains now. The inner man is not something you can see. He goes on into chapter 5. He says if this earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The picture he's given is just like we're living in a tent. And what is inside of that is the inner man. What that tells us is the inner man will survive this life. He goes on to speak about that. He talks about being absent from the body and being present with the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he talks about, Now may your whole body, soul, and spirit be preserved and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the concern is with the outward, but more with the inward. When Peter was writing about wives, and he was talking about how they could have an influence upon their husband, and he was talking about who they are on the inside, even more important than the outside, he says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, the arranging of hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on a fine apparel, but rather let it be, and again, notice that word, the hidden person of the heart, of the incorruptible beauty, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. See, the truth is, men, you look at your wife, and yes, her physical appearance may have changed some from the time when you first got married, but you love her more dearly every day because of the character of who she is on the inside. Solomon would put it this way in Proverbs 31. Grace is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruits of her hands and her work shall praise her. Well now, if I understand the inner man is that part of me that's not just the outward, but the thinking how do I instruct that man to do better? How do I change that person? Well, God is able to do that by discipline. He's able to teach me wisdom by the things that I face. Listen to David in Psalm 51 and verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the part, hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Oh, you could spend a lot of time in thinking about what David endured and what he suffered and how God taught him wisdom. Proverbs 20, verse 30, Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, 
as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. You see, it's just like Solomon will say later, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but a rod of correction will drive it far from him. Oh yes, you can discipline the physical body and change the inner man. You see, the truth is, God is able to reach us by disciplining us. But as we just read a few moments ago, Brother Stanley read to us, from the book of Ephesians, God is able to strengthen the inner man with his word. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 for just a moment. Let's look at, first of all, verses 2 through 5 that lay the groundwork for us to see what was recorded later. He said, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made to known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now pause with me for just a moment. I underline some words so that you don't miss what Paul is saying. What he was speaking was given to him for them. He said it was by revelation. God gave it to him. What he did was he wrote it down. Briefly written already. And he said, so when you read that, you may understand my knowledge. Verse 5, he says, it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. But then when you go down to the verses that Brother Stanley read in verses 15 through 19... He says that he would grant you, according to his riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So when I am reading God's word, the revelation that has been provided, that's able to sink down into the inner man. He says in verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the length, the depth, uh, width, length, depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That's how you get to the inner man. That's how you instruct him. You read God's word. You meditate upon it. That's the reason why the Bible is just filled with passages talking about our hearts. Oh, yeah, you remember Proverbs 4, verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Or Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinks within himself, so easy. Or do you consider Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, Jesus as he has talked about people and um, the food going in and he's talking about what comes out of a man and he says from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye. He's trying to describe where bad things come from. They come from that inner man and God is trying to instruct us. Be careful with that inner man. Learn in that inner man. But now for just a few minutes, I'd like to talk about inspiring. I can know what the inner man is. 
I can even know what to do to educate, inform, and instruct the inner man. But how do you inspire people to bring out the best? How is it that you motivate people to, to rise up and do better than they've been doing? That's a challenge that people have to face in every area of life. You know, it's the time of year when football teams will be getting ready to play their bowl games. And the coaches are having to look at those young men and they're, they're trying to inspire them to go out and play the best game that they can play. It's a time in business when people are trying to make the money that they're going to, to live on for the rest of the year to inspire their employees. Smile. Make people feel welcome. Show a little extra effort with people. How is it that you inspire the inner man in a Christian to do better? One is to appeal to a sense of love, loyalty, and duty to man. You look at man and you say, you need to love God because of what God has done. Be loyal to God. Ephesians 6 and verse 6, he says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Here's what I, I'd like to encourage you to do. When you sing, don't just look at the words on the page. Don't just even read and understand them. But sing them with meaning. Those words that reflect the devotion of your heart. You don't have to worry about whether or not the singing will sound great because it will if it comes from a joyful heart. When you bow your head and the prayer is being prayed and you say amen at the end of the prayer, it's not saying amen so everyone around you will hear you say amen. But it's because you agree that's the expression of your heart. A second thing is you've got to learn to develop an appreciation for God and His Word. We've become a society today that does not want to try to gain more knowledge. We feel like we already have all we need to know. It, even in so many areas of life, people feel like, I know enough. I can, I can get by. I'm, I can settle with that. But we need to be inspired to say, I want to know more of what God would have me to do. Listen to Romans 7 verse 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. I love God's law. I want to know what it says. So I read it. I read it recognizing this is God's directions that tells me how to have a better life. Jeremiah 24, verse 7, Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, that they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. God looks at his people and he says, I want them to love me with their whole heart. 
But the third thing is you've got to focus on eternity. Oh, if I could just spend a little more time in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through chapter 5, verse 7, about how he focuses man to say, this old man here, it's going to soon grow old and die. All for that inner man's going to survive. Chapter 4, verse 16, don't lose heart because our outward man is perishing, that inward man is renewed day by day. When the writer of the book of Hebrews looked at life, he said in verse 1, Therefore, seeing we're encompassed or surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with the endurance, the race that is set before us. Now, look, when you get to verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus looked at the end and he endured whatever it took to do that. Romans 8 and verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. And then to inspire, you need to focus on the things that have been lost, can be lost. When you go to Genesis 45, there's a real encouraging statement there about Jacob. You remember what had happened to Jacob, his son Joseph? He believed that Joseph was dead. In fact, his other sons brought that coat of many colors covered in blood and gave it to their father and let him believe all those years that he was dead. And then when you get there and Jacob's eyes are able to see him, when they told him all these words which Joseph had said to them, when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. What does it take to revive us? He thought he had lost Joseph, but he didn't. Sometimes we think we have lost the battle for our souls, but then you realize what Jesus has done and you realize we've not lost at all. In 2 Peter 1 and verse 9, we're studying that section on Sunday morning. I'm not going to spend just, but just a brief moment there. He talks about a person who's lacking the spiritual graces. He said, he that lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Sometimes someone needs to spur us on by saying, do you remember what it was like when you had sins laid to your charge? Do you remember what it felt like when you come up out of the baptistry and you walked out and you met your family, you met your friends, and you remember the, the burden that was lifted because your sins had been forgiven? You can recapture that. Paul will go in, in verses 12 and 13. He says, I'm not going to be negligent to remind you of these things. He said, in fact, I'm going to stir you up by reminding you. 
You want to inspire the inner man? You take that inner man and you remind him of how great things can be and the loss of sin and the privilege there. So I'm going to end with asking, are you being superficial in your service to God? Both he and you know. God's able to look down into your heart. And what is important is not what I might think of you, nor what the person in the pew in front of you or behind you might think. Our judgment does not count. What counts is God's judgment as he looks at your life. And you can choose to serve God from the heart. What a great privilege we have tonight that if you want to become a Christian and you want to enjoy the, the true joy in the inner man, you can do that. And you as a child of God can walk out of here tonight with joy in your soul. We're going to sing this invitation song. If you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins or you need to be restored to faithfulness, we urge you to do that as together we stand and sing.